Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to see all of you. Well, see some of you. Can't actually see any of you, but um, I'm sure you are out there, even though it is just pictures. So hopefully, you can see my screen, and you can see it. It should be a PDF that says the Messiah. So we are for the last three weeks. We've been dealing with some. Um, complex questions. One, which we did two weeks ago, was the question of Olam Abba. What is Olam Abba? So I'm just going to refresh, and for those who weren't in the, in the talks in those weeks, so the, the, we talked about Olam Abba was according to the Rambam, Maimonides, was that Olam Abba was a spiritual existence. You would live in this world for a period of time, and then you would die, and you would go to Olam Abba. And Olam Abba has got nothing physical associated with it whatsoever, and that is when we go when we die. The Ramban came and said this was a Nachmanides. He said that, no, no, no. What happens is when you die, you go to a place called Gan Eden, which is a sort of holding uh, period where you would be there for a period of time, and then you would be redeemed and come back into the world in a Tchiat uh, which a, the physical and the spiritual would work together in a way that the soul and the body would be complete, whereas the Rambam is that the body is never part of uh, Olam Abba. Olam Abba, according to, let's say, according to the Rambam, heaven is a place on earth, whereas according to Rambam, is not uh, heaven is heaven and earth is earth. And then last week, we started talking about the concept of Tchiatamhetin, the resurrection of the dead. Now, in line with those uh, topics that we spoke previously, is <coughs> according to the Rambam, Let's go with the Ramban. The Triata mating period was after the souls died and gone to Gan Eden. Then all those souls were returned and uh, given the shell, their body again in a loftier, uh, holier sense. They would be physical and spiritual entwined, and that would be Triata mating resurrection of the dead. According to the Rambam, Maimonides, so we said there are a couple of ways of looking at it. One is that there is no spiritual, there's no mating in a physical sense, is that when you die, that is over it, and it means something very spiritual. That was one way of understanding. But we did take it as a couple of opinions we saw in the Rambam in his Tchiatamatim, his letter on Tchiatamatim, that seems to suggest that other Tchiatamatim, there is a physical thing, but it has nothing to do with Olam Abba. At some period in time, people will be certain souls, not necessarily all souls, but some souls will be brought back and they would be here for a period of time, and then they would die again and go into Olam Haba. Or alternatively, there was specifically that the idea of believing in the resurrection of the dead wasn't that it is a process that we need to go through and that will happen one day in as much as a belief that Hashem can resurrect the dead. And that would be, we saw that in Yechezkel that we quoted the, the prophet last week. So those two uh, Shirim sort of lead us into this, which is where does Messiah fit into this whole idea? And it's going to sort of be along battle lines as we've already drawn them. So again, we've got the Rambam, who is very much this world is this world, the next world is the next world. And then we have uh, the Ramban and the others who seem that there is this idea that spirituality and physicality will somehow uh, work in tandem. And so that idea is going to come out not so much in the Ramban tonight, but uh, much more through the way the Gomorrah is understood. Okay, so we're going to start with two uh, Talmudic texts. <coughs> the one in Masechet Brachot that you have in front of you, and it says as follows. So all the prophecies that the prophets had about the end of days... And we'll talk a little bit what those are. But when the prophets prophesied about the end of days, what it was referring to is Yemot HaMashiach. 
should be something. Okay, so for some reason this. Uh, the, the things got jumbled a bit here. But with regarding Olam Haba, the eyes have never seen it. That is something that the prophets never prophesied about Olam Haba. So that idea is that when the prophets talk about life, the lion, uh, the, the wolf lying with the lamb, and nation shall not lift sword unto nation and the like, those familiar prophecies, they will turn their plow, their swords into into plow, uh, to plows and the shields into pruning hooks and the like, that is Mishmota Mashiach, not Olam Haba. Olam Haba, according to Rabbi Chia, that doesn't, uh, that isn't, um, is never prophesied. Olam Haba is never prophesied. But it comes, but Upliga de Shmuel, and Shmuel disagrees. So you've got two rabbis, you've got Rabbi Chia and Shmuel, and Shmuel says, Ein ben Olam Hazel, Yemota Mashiach, Ela Shibud Malchiot, Bilvad. Says there is no difference between the, the, the current era and the messianic era, except for what's called Shibud Malchiot. Now, what is Shibud Malchiot? So it says here in the English, it's servitude to the foreign kingdoms alone as it is stated. Okay, so the way that is understood is that we are living in a world at the moment where um, there's a lot of oppression over there. And from a Jewish point of view, oppression towards the Jewish people that does not allow them, especially if you're thinking of the times, you're talking about post-destruction of the temple, that we as Jews cannot fulfill or live up to our ideal expectations of what we would like to do in the world of Torah and Mitzvot. Why? Because the kingdoms around the world that we live in the diaspora have not allowed us to do so. So that is Yeshivu Machut. So what will happen in Yemot Mashiach? So according to Shmuel, what will happen is the, 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 the burdens of the nations of the world that are sort of suppressing us and not allowing us to fulfill Torah mitzvahs in the, in the fullest sense, that will be over. So that humanity, or Judaism in particular, will be able to serve Hashem without hassle. That is what Yemot Mashiach will look like. So you have two completely different views of what the Messianic era is going to look like. Or Rabbi Chia on the one hand is, this is all the prophecies that we've read about. There's going to be absolute peace in the world and the lions and the lambs are all going to snuggle together. And there are no, no, no war and no poverty and no crime and, and whatever the case might be. That is all the Yemot Mashiach. Shmuel says, you know what, if you wake up, Yemot HaMashiach is in X amount of years time, and you were to go into Yemot HaMashiach, it would look exactly the same as that. You still have to get up and go to work, you'd still have to uh, go to the doctor if you're sick, you'd still have to uh, um, earn a living. All of this stuff is not going to change. Okay, that's the Machloket, Shmuel and Rabbi Chia. Now, similar Machloket happens a little bit later in Masechet Shabbat, and says as follows, it's brought in the opposite direction. Shmuel said, there's no difference between this world and Yemot HaMashiach, except for the subjugation of the nations. It says, Now he quotes a verse over here. It says, There will never cease to be the poor in the land. Now that is, this idea is Shiloh. Now this is a pasuk you should see. This is it doesn't quote it from here. Oh, here it's in, in Devarim. This is a pasuk from the Torah, which is saying that in the Motam Shiach there will be poverty. So don't think, says Shmuel, that in the world to in, in Yemotam Shiach, it is going to be this world of 
of, uh, of absolute peace and harmony. There are people, when we think about Gun Aden, that you will be able to have no worries and everything will be wonderful and it's just going to be peace and food and plenty for everybody and everything will be fantastic. No, there will always be poverty in the land. So it says Shmuel, the world will be exactly the same. Now, parenthetically, I heard a beautiful idea once. I'm trying to understand this pasuk says like in a perfect in a perfect world, why would there be poverty? If the messianic era is supposed to be a perfect world, perfect existence, so why is there going to be poverty? So, and this again, parenthetically, I think the idea that there's a perfect world that we are going to achieve one day diminishes the individual's ability for perfection. Meaning, our Hashem put us in this world in order to somehow perfect our character and to contribute to perfecting the world. But understanding that the, that is a goal that is in a certain degree only attainable if there is failures and flaws within the world. For example, if there's a great mitzvah to visit the sick, so how would I ever fulfill the mitzvah? And how would I ever be able to achieve perfection in that area of my character if there was no, if there was no illness anymore? Similarly, the, the whole concept of tzedakah, which is a cornerstone of Jewish faith and Jewish traditions and values, how would I ever be able to fulfill the mitzvah of tzedakah if there was no poverty at all? So there has to be poverty in the world, not because poverty is, is, is a perfection, but it is a flaw in creation that allows me to achieve perfection by trying to fix the flaw. So that is why in the Mota Mashiach, there will always be poverty because poverty is there not as a, an end, but rather as for us as humanity to see, to come and uh, try overcome it and to try perfect our character by doing it. So that's Shmuel. Again, Mashiach is going to look exactly the same. You're all going to come back to Mashiach and it'll be exactly as what you see today. Vikadami, alternative. Amrul Rabbi Lezer, Kimiachat, the Tachshitim Haile, Mimama, Sali Mota Mashiach. So it says, so, um, so, uh, Somehow this copy and paste didn't quite work, but I'm quoting now the next thing, which is, uh, okay, so I'm going to quote. Rabbi Chirba Abba says, all the, all the prophets only prophesied with regards to Messianic era or with regards to the world to come. It was stated, no eyes see God except you, meaning that Rabbi Chia, again, is holding his positions. We have these two Gemorahs which say, in essence, the same machloket between Shmuel and Rabbi Chia, that what is going to be in Yomot Mashiach is it going to be this fantastic spiritual existence where, where everything is going to be perfect, perfect and everything is going to be wonderful? Or no, it's actually going to look very similar to the world today. And, um, and the only difference is going to be, the way I've heard it put, and I think it works, is there'll be a certain unity of purpose. Meaning that if we live in a world where there is uh, peace, so all the money that is currently invested in, um, in warfare could be redirected towards solving issues of illness, poverty, and the like. So when there's a certain unity of purpose that everyone will come to recognize that there's one God and everyone will come to uh, want to serve God, not everyone will be Jewish. There's no desire that the whole world will become Jewish, but there'll be a certain <coughs> unity of purpose and a unity of, uh, of, of direction of humanity. So that is what, according to Shmuel, the world will look like. So that is the, the bulk of the Machloket in the Gomorrah. So how do we pasken? Now, we, we've, we've said this uh, previously, which becomes very difficult. How do, you, how do you 
Yeah, when it comes out, this chicken is kosher. So some opinions say it's kosher and some people opinions say it's not kosher. So how are we passing? Can I eat the chicken? Can I not eat the chicken? So we either say, yes, you can. We go according to the opinions that say it's permissible. We go according to the opinions that say it's prohibited. But when you're talking about philosophy, it's very hard to paskin philosophy. It's very hard to say, what. well, this is what we believe. You know, that This is what it's going to be. We, we can't say that because the reality is, is that there's there are a lot of different approaches. The question is, where does Jewish philosophy, does it lean more in the direction of Shmuel or does it lean more in the direction of Rav Ba'ava, which is uh, much more mystical? So if you think to how we went back last week and the last previous weeks, it would appear that this would be exactly where the, the lines are divided. That in the, in the world of the Rambam, we're going to go much more along the lines of Shmuel. And if we go according to the Ramban and those who follow in the footsteps of the Ramban, we're going to go much more like Rav Ba'aba. And that is, in fact, the case. Now, this is the Rambam himself. So he actually talks about the Mashiach in his Law of Kings, which is talking about initially the law of the original kings and the kings being appointed and what they can and cannot do as a monarch. But then he talks about the, the kings, the Melech HaMashiach. The, now, just so we should understand, the word Mashiach means anointed one. So every king was a Mashiach. So the, the, we say they're like this Messiah, that it is a singular figure. It is usually uh, given for uh, someone who will come and redeem the, the world and redeem the Jewish people. But the term Mashiach is, is not um, only used in that context. Every king is Mashiach. In fact, you get the Kohen Mashiach. So there was a Mashiach Muhammad, the Kohen. There was a certain Kohen who would lead the soldiers you know, who would be the, let's say, the spiritual advisor to the soldiers who went out to battle. It was called the Koina Mashuach. So the same word. Anyway, so this is where he talks about the concept of Mashiach. So he says, What will be in the world to come cannot be depicted even by means of prophecy. So this is exactly what um, Shmuel was saying, that the prophets only talked about, um, sorry, this is what Rav said. So Rav said, that all the prophecies were about Yemota Mashiach, not about Olam Haba, because Olam Haba is something that cannot be uh, pictured. It is something spiritual, according to the Rambam. So like Rabbi Chia, he says, what will be in the water cannot be depicted even by means of prophecy. It should not occur to you that the King Messiah must bring wondrous signs or perform marvels or invent new things or revive the dead or anything like what the fools say. It is not so. So that is like crucial. So you have this sort of opinion of the Rambam, which is sort of, jostling between the Rebbe Chia as well as Shmuel. So what's he saying? He's saying on the one hand is that all the prophecies are not talking about so when's the lion going to lie with the lamb and all that stuff. That's not talking about Olam because Olam is spiritual. There are no lions. There are no lambs. But so we're talking about Yomota Mashiach. But on the flip side, don't think Yomota Mashiach is going to have that the Messiah is going to come and do these wondrous signs and miracles. It's not so. He brings a great proof. For Rebbe Akiva, the wisest of the sage of the Mishnah was King Ben Kozibah's arms better. So Ben Kozibah in the, in the Gemara is identified as Bar Kochba. Kozibah Kochba, it's a question. So the Gemara says that, that Rabbi Akiva worked very closely with Bar Kochba. So for those who are not familiar with Bar Kochba, under the time of the Roman occupation, there was a, uh, an attempt by Bar Kochba and uh, many of his troops. This is post-destruction of the temple. In order to throw the Romans out, they started a rebellion. So the question was, how would the sages of the time view Bar Kokhba, who was not a sage, he was a, he was a soldier, how would they view his rebellion against the Romans? So Rabbi Akiva 
was very close to Bar Kokhba. So much so, it says that he and all the sages of the generation thought that he was the Mashiach. So it's interesting that they thought that, that at least they'll see that they were wrong and they acknowledged they were wrong. But until such time as he committed a sin, he killed one of the sages. Um, but since up until that point, they thought he could be Mashiach. Meaning that what is Bar Kokhba doing? He was waging war. He wasn't doing miracles and wonders. He was waging war. Since he was killed, they then understood that he was not the Mashiach. The sages never asked him for a sign nor a wonder. So Mashiach does not do miracles. Now this, he's going to talk about, he's not going to talk about it here. I don't think. Let me just, we'll carry on here and I'll come back to my point. They never asked. So the essence of the matter is like this. The laws and the statutes of the Torah never change. We may not add to them or detract from them. So that is the key. Is that the, the Torah is not going to change. The world is going to be exactly the same. So when Mashiach comes, you're going to put on tefillin? Absolutely. You're going to have to keep kosher? 100% kosher. Shabbos? Absolutely. All the things are going to be exactly the same. Why? Because the world will not change. Now, we get, does talk about this. Uh, let me just check that it doesn't. Uh, I don't think I bought it. Yeah. It doesn't talk about that, but he does speak elsewhere about Jesus. Where he says this idea that the, the Messiah, this is the Yeshua, the Messiah of the word Yeshua, Jesus, is from the Hebrew term Yoshia, which is a, a savior. So Yeshua is a shem or save. So Yeshua is Jesus. So the, the salvation of him is that this whole idea of miracles and wonders and everything's going to change is that this is not part of the Jewish Messiah. The Jewish Messiah is a leader par excellence that will make changes, and we're going to see shortly what those changes are, and he's going to usher in a new kind of era. However, it is not going to be a mystical era. It's not going to be an era where things are going to be completely different. Now, we've already said that the messianic prophecies are there. We've spoke about the messianic prophecies, the lion with the lamb and the, and the pl- in, uh, pr- uh, swords into plowsheds. So how does the Rambam understand that? So he says, and this is elsewhere, it's the next chapter of the Laws of Kings. It does not occur to you that in the days of Messiah, a single thing from the ways of the world will be cancelled, nor will there be something novel in creation. Nothing is going to change. Rather, the world will continue in its customary way. So then we say, okay, but what about Yeshaya? What about the prophecies? And those are the Shia who says the wolf will live with the sheep and the leopard will lie down with the kid. Those are parables. Now, if you go look in, the, in Yeshaya and you go read these things, in fact, the, the commentaries on the Chumash are both uh, disagree on this. And I think we spoke about this when we talked about Olam Abba. And the idea is that, how do you say the wolf will lie with the land? So one of two things are going to happen. Either the nature of the wolf being a carnivore is going to change and the wolf, wolf is going to turn into a, a herbivore, let's just say. He will no longer eat uh, flesh and therefore he will lie with the lamb. That, that seems to be where Yeshua is going. And that is alluding to, like what Rechia Ba'ava said, that there will be a whole change in society. The world will change. And this is clear with how we saw the Ramban. Then he talks about, the, you know, in the, in the Messianic era, is going to be phys- the physical man will be different. He won't eat and he won't drink like he, that he used to. He won't have the same needs. Everything will change in the world, in, in the Messianic era. It will be this wonderful uh, thing. And that is exactly like the nature of animals will change, the nature of the world will change, the nature of human beings will change. But says the other opinions, and this is what the Ram is going to say, those are parables. So what does it mean? The substance of the man is that Israel will dwell safely with the wicked of the world who are compared to wolves and tigers. So here it says that the whole vision of Yeshaya, where it says that the wolf will lie with the lamb, is who's the wolf? 
The wolf are the enemies of Israel. And who's the lamb? The lamb of Israel. So we who are constantly under threat from uh, anti-Semitism and from time, uh, from the time of the destruction until this very day. So that will come to an end. That whole oppression will come to an end and we will lie together. That is, so the prophecies are not to be understood literally, they're to be understood figuratively. And we spoke about that with the Rambam previously. We talked about this whole idea of Ulam and the like. But they will all return to the true religion. So true religion uh, shouldn't be understood as true religion, but rather one God that, that people will now avoid. So all the pagans of the world will start acknowledging one God and it will be the Jewish God. Now the Jewish God just also parenthetically does not believe that everybody has to be Jewish, but everyone has to abide by the seven Noahide laws and be moral and ethical monotheists, but not that they have to keep the entire Torah. That is for the Jews and the Jews alone. And they will not steal, they will not destroy, rather will eat of permissible foods like comfortably like Israel. It says the lion will eat straw as does the ox. So again, another metaphor. When it says the lion will eat straw, it doesn't mean that the lion will eat straw. It just means that the, that the, the Gentile nations of the world will be like um, the Israelites. And so similar matters written about the Messiah are parables. In the day of the King Messiah, everyone will understand these parables into what these matters were compared and to what was hinted, which is something which I think is very crucial. And we spoke a bit about this last week. So I, I mentioned that what does one vision when they think of Yemot HaMashiach or Lama Ba? So we can read about all these different texts and read about you know, what, they, um, what they represent. But at the end of the day, when these things happen, all will make sense. The idea that thinking that we will somehow can picture what Yemota Mashiach looks like or picture what Tchiat Amatin looks like. One thing we know is that the Torah says and the, 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 the rabbis tell us that there's a concept of resurrection of the dead. What does resurrection of the dead look like? I don't know. I don't know. Does it mean people are literally going to come crawling out of graves? Does it mean something else? I don't know. But when it happens, all these prophecies will make sense. What does Yemota Mashiach look like? Says the Rambam, no idea what it looks like. I can just tell you in broad things. There will be a unity of purpose. People will start worshipping one God and they will no longer wage war on one another. There will be much more peace in the world. There will be unified purpose, etc., etc. But what will it actually look like in all the details with like all these prophecies? What does it mean that, the, that the, the lion will eat straw as does the ox? I don't know what it means, says the Rambam. But when it happens, it all, all makes sense. So what do you have over here? In, in, in the words of the Rambam, is a sort of hybrid between the idea of Rabhiya Ba'ava and Shmuel. So where Shmuel seemed to suggest that um, it's really going to be any different except the, the non-Jewish nations are not, going to, um, are not going to oppress us anymore, but everything else will be the same. There'll still be poverty. There'll still be illness. There'll still be troubles in the world. Even according to some, there will still be war. So he says, Mamish, nothing's going to change except that we all believe in one God. So that was Shmuel. And we don't see many opinions holding like Shmuel on, on all these issues. On Rav Ba'ava, where everything's going to be mystical and different and wonderful and beautiful and it's going to be peace and it's going to be real, um, using the term Gan Eden, not in the terms that we've spoken about, but Gan Eden is in a real Garden of Eden where everything will go back to almost um, Adam and Eve where everything is just peaceful and, and wonderful. So that's according to Rav Ba'ava. And then you have the Rambam and, 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 and many of uh, many thoughts within um, in Ju- rabbinics within in Jewish thought. And then you have the Rambam, which is sort of in between that, yes, 
there will be certain things that will, will, will be over. Or the negativity of the world. So the Rambam here hasn't spoken about um, poverty and the like. But he has spoken about the concept that there, there will be, you're still going to have to go to work in the morning. And you're still gonna, the world is still going to function normally. And you're still going to have to eat breakfast. And you're still going to have to, because th- these things are, according to the Rambam, not Olam Haba. According to the Ramban, and according to what he says, this vision of Rav Chia Ba'ava, said that this is Olam Haba. That when Mashiach comes, that there will be resurrection of the dead, and there will be this hybrid of physical and spiritual unity that we live for forever. According to the Ramban, Rambam, no, what's going to happen is that there will be a period of time between now and Olam Haba. Between, so whether we will live through that period of time or not is a question. But at some point in human history, there will be a messianic era where there will be a certain unified purpose and we will all, those of us who will be around at that time and possibly those that get resurrected for a, that period of time will benefit from that messianic era. But ultimately, we will all pass from this world into Olam Haba, which is a spiritual existence. Okay, so that, that sort of like ties us up. Um, a couple of additional points which I think are worthy of noting. One, and I really don't want to go into, into the controversy, and it's possible that uh, some of you tuned in for the controversy, and that is, what about the identity of Mashiach? So I want to, I want to claim uh, the same position as the Rambam, is that Mashiach is a kind of position that there's very little that we know about him. So according to the Rambam, he's a person who's going to do many things. He's going to bring, um, amongst other things, he's going to rebuild the temple going to end uh, the suffering you know, of the world and there's going to be a peace brought into the world and that is what the Mashiach is going to do until such time. Now he does speak about this elsewhere, Rambam, that if the guy comes and he's doing a lot of this stuff and then is killed, so it is clear that he is not the Mashiach, just like one of the righteous kings of Israel. So you need a certain thing, a person has to be called a king. He has to have that sort of role that is uh, identified as a leader of the Jewish people as a whole. And they have to achieve um, the, these prophecies. They have to bring them to fruition before being killed. Now, there are many people throughout Jewish history that have taken up um, the, the status. Some of them, uh, they themselves have taken up the status and claiming to be the Mashiach. So, Shabtai Tzvi, probably the most notable of him, or probably, no, Jesus would be the most notable of them. Then Shabtai Tzvi, um, Jacob Frank, um, and, and others that have been thought to be the Mashiach, either in their lifetime and sometimes after their lifetime, and that would be, classic would be the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and the controversy therein. To the best of my knowledge, and um, it, it, it would appear to that no one has achieved any of, or uh, even though, People have achieved much um, in the world and there have been many leaders throughout Jewish history that have achieved many of the traits and many of the uh, things that the Messiah would need to do. They have never been done in their in, in completeness to warrant them being the Mashiach. Um, and, and so we'll leave it at that. When the Messiah comes, we will, we will know. It's, uh, it's one of those things that we, we debate like how will we know when the Messiah comes? So seemingly according to the Rambam, you'll know when he comes. When he comes, he'll come. So that's the first point that I just wanted to put out as like sort of an addendum. The second point that I think is also worthy is the Rambam, because he has such a physical view of Yomot Mashiach, he has a very physical view 
of um, how we can, let's uh, say, uh, usher in the Mashiach. So if you go in like, so Rav Sadia Gon, uh, amongst others, <coughs> who hold like Rav Chia Ba'ava, seems that the only way for Mashiach is it is something that is beyond our grasp, something that we cannot do. Um, it is something that is going to be a complete spiritual change. So all we need to do is keep Torah and mitzvahs, that if we keep Torah and mitzvahs, um, hopefully the, the Mashiach will come and that will bring all the changes. And according to the commentaries, the, the temple will come down from heaven, if that's to be understood literally, and uh, that's what will happen. According to the Rambam, uh, the temple is going to need an architect. It's going to need uh, laborers. It's going to need people to build the thing. It's not going to just happen. There's not going to this messianic era is going to be something. You're going to have to wage wars. You know, not everybody's going to want to accept them. There are going to be battles, and so battles need soldiers, and soldiers uh, need to uh, take up arms. So, even though the, the ultimately the messianic era will be one of peace, there's a lot of preparation that needs to be done beforehand. So can we? So the whole idea of can we bring Mashiach? So that becomes an interesting question. So is it just by doing Torah mitzvahs and then Mashiach will, so to speak, appear? Or is it that we can actually practically take steps? So if you look at this uh, between, in the, in the modern context, so Chabad are very much on the, if you can, uh, if you do Torah mitzvahs, that will bring Mashiach and very much in line with that Rav Chiba Ava position. That the Mashiachianic era will come along when we all keep in Torah mitzvahs. On the flip side, if you look at the, let's say, the religious Zionist world, is much more that uh, Mashiach, Mashiach is not going to just come if we just sit back and do Torah mitzvahs. We actually have to be practically involved. We have to build the land. We have to possibly defend the land. And if necessary, we're going to have to start building the, the Beit HaMikdash. Maybe not practically yet, but uh, at least getting things together for the Beit HaMikdash. So those are the different positions that uh, present themselves on, a, on our topic this evening. Um, it is a difficult one. Um, I think it's important to understand, and this has been a key, is that there is no opinion of what, I think in everything we've done, I think this is our eighth or ninth uh, topic that we've dealt with, that there's no such thing as what does Judaism believe with regards to Mashiach, with regards to all these topics. Rather, there are different approaches to how we understand these topics, and there are multiple ways of looking at them, each of which has um, definitely a source within Chazal, within our rabbis, to be able to assist us. All right, to that end, I'm going to allow you to unmute yourself. If anyone has any questions, please unmute yourself, identify yourself, and uh, ask away. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Go, okay, Dave. You know, you know there's such divergent things. You quoted all the sources and... You know, they appear to be in the two, the two that you mentioned, with the Rambam and, and Rabbi Yahya, I don't quite remember the name, but at opposite ends of the spectrum. It seems to me that it's more, I think, I, well, you know, my problem is that you know, one of the 13 principles is that we believe in the coming of the Mashiach. Um, and, 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 that's an, and because of that, it's hard to explain, but is it not the case more that the Mashiach is probably, could be, viewed more as a, a, a period of tranquility rather than in the form of somebody who's going to bring it about. Now, you know, I mean, I'm looking at today's world. You've got 180 plus countries. And you know, the, the, just the sheer thought that they could all live together in peace and in harmony, you know, just boggles the mind. And I'm just wondering whether it's just a, a, almost like a emotive uh, concept that when there's peace or quasi-peace throughout the world, 
that will be the Messiah. Not necessarily the form of a person, but rather in the form of a period of tranquility. Okay, so the, so the Rambam and commentaries are very clear that the Messiah is a person, is a king. That's all, yeah. ma, ma, the Mashiach is just going to be a king. So the idea that there's a, a singular monarch that rules over the world in a, uh, as a benevolent uh, theocracy um, is something that is very clear. Now, what the goal of Mashiach is to usher in a messianic era into, into uh, Yimota Mashiach is that period of, let's call it, tranquility. But there's, there's a certain leadership quality. Now, the idea of, uh, so I see that Mina just said here that the Rambam says we have to uh, wait Mashiach every day. Yes, but what does it mean to wait for Mashiach every day? It does not mean sitting at the window and looking outside longing for Mashiach. There's a certain element that it is, uh, that it is a idea that the world is heading towards perfection. Um, what does Mashiach mean? It means that the world is heading towards some level of a, a more perfect existence. That our relationship with... Okay. So, no, no, I, I, I'm not saying that you're wrong, Dave. I'm just saying that you want to say that, that the, perhaps there's no person. It's just a time period. So I'm saying it's both. But the person will usher in the time period. So the idea, that, so when it says, you know, says, even though he delays every day, I wait for him that he will come. But what does it mean to wait? It doesn't mean sitting at the bus stop waiting for the bus. It means that this idea that I'm longing for a time where the world, where there's no shibud malchiot, that there's no, there's no oppression, you know, that we can serve Hashem. This is what it is. This is the Rambam says that lo yatamu that uh, the Chachamim did not long for Yemotam Mashiach in order to that they should be able to uh, rule over all the nations of the world. Rather, in order that they should have, be free to serve Hashem. That's ultimately what Mashiach is. It's like uh, to, uh, to quote uh, parenthetically that is uh, it's like what Tevya wanted to be a rich man for. Why do you want to be a rich man? So that he could spend all his time learning Torah. That's exactly why we're yearning for Mota Mashiach. We want that so we can spend our time serving Hashem. That is ultimately what you're hoping for. Now, I'm not sure that everybody would hope that that's what the Mashiach looks like, but that is the essence of what we do. So he will usher in this period. Now, it's not, uh, I think people often look at this idea of an indiv- you know, the individual Mashiach that is if it's like, one person marching and everybody following. Obviously, he's going to have leaders and boards and uh, and and armies and 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 uh, committees and whatnot. It's going to be, but ultimately, someone is going to be driving the train. So that is that is the concept of Mashiach. So I just have a comment here. Surprised to hear that you'll still be poor people, so we can perform tzedakah. The world then won't be perfect if people still suffer hardship. Why? All right, thanks, Ed. So again, that is according to. Shmuel, that's not according to Rabbi Ba'ava. According to Rabbi Ba'ava, he said a lot of the uh, the uh, the philosophers, there won't be, you know, that whole idea of poverty will be over. According to the Rambam, seemingly, and according to um, to Shmuel, the idea that the Messianic era is, again, is to try to create perfection in the world. That's in order for, if there's no poverty, there can be no tzedakah. That's the point. So we don't want to be poor and we don't want other people to be poor. However, part of perfecting one's character is to be able to do chesed. And in order to do chesed, you need people who need chesed. So if no one needs chesed, if everybody is fantastic, so the one problem, the flaw of that creation will be that people cannot perfect the character. 
So I can be self-centered and selfish my whole life because no one needs me to be otherwise. I never need to help anyone. Why? Because nobody ever needs help. So will I, have, will I ever be able to help people move home? No, because that will never be necessary. People will ever be self-contained. So on the one hand, you say this perfect world, but perfect worlds come with a certain cost is that you can't help. And helping is part of becoming fully human. So I understand that this is the, this is the challenge. So some of the people say, no, it will be a perfect world. Others want to say, no, it won't be a perfect world. Jonna, you want to, ask, you want to unmute yourself, ask a question, Jonna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rabbi, my question is more about what's in it for God. So um, if we're here for a purpose for bringing godliness down to earth or proving the world, so Mashiach comes, depending on, as you said, which uh, approach you take, um, what then, what's the purpose of, of existing if we're no longer needing to better the world and ourselves, you know, if it's all done and the mission is done. And, and as I understand it, we are a linear rela- religion in that we believe in, you know, a stop date, an end date. What, what's beyond that? Or does God go, okay, that's nice, turns out the light and we all disappear in a puff of smoke. So, um, so we haven't done that as one of our topics yet. We've sort of gone in a, in a certain progression of, uh, of the topics that we've dealt with. One of the, the important philosophical questions that we have yet to deal with is why did God create the world? And that is on the, on the to-do list, which uh, sort of you know, ties into your question. So if God had a purpose in creation of the world now, so ultimately what's going to happen in, uh, at the end of that world? And so that, that is a good question. Um, so, so I will leave it to what's in it for God for when we deal with that particular topic. Um, I think the premise, and this is brought down in the Ramchal and Derech Hashem, of what's in it for God, suggesting that, there's an, that God, God has a need and that somehow you know, God's fulfilling his need in this world, but how would his need be fulfilled in the next world or in the Mota Mashiach? So I think that premise is one that is, is uh, incorrect. The, 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 the way the Ramchal understands it is that God had, doesn't have a need, but God wanted to give um, great um, pleasure to humanity. And the only way that pleasure can be um, achieved is by the individual earning it. And so God created the world in order that man should be able to earn the greatest pleasure, which is connection to Hashem. That's the way the Ramchal, but we'll talk about that in more depth. So hopefully you'll join us then. You can ask the question again if I don't answer it at that point. All right. Any other questions before we sign off for this evening? All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It is a it's, a, it's an interesting topic. I'm enjoying my Tuesday nights. I hope you can join us again next week. And I hope you have a wonderful evening. Laila Tov.